It's the turn of 1942-43. Karski embarks on his last mission as a courier. He manages to smuggle a wealth of secret documents which describe the Holocaust, as well as show the strength of the Polish underground. His first task is to make an impression on the leaders of the United Kingdom and the United States and to try and convince them that the Polish underground state is a force to be reckoned with by the Allies and that despite Nazi occupation, the country's government is continuing to the best of its ability to keep Polish society under its control. Karski is to fight for Poland's right to independence and self-determination. His second task is to tell the world about the Holocaust and persuade the Allies to put a stop to the systematic killing of the Jews by the Nazis. You hear the plane roaring down out of control and then crashing into silence. A state of war has existed. It would be still more foolish to lose heart and courage Thousands of people like me perished. Some of us survived. I am one of those. Untold Stories from the Secret State Message from the Holocaust, Part 5 As Jan Karski says, First of all, I didn't know how long he will keep me. It mm-hmm. was my story with every. I met the most powerful leaders during the Second World War. I never knew, will he keep me five minutes or ten minutes or fifteen minutes? So usually I would make an opening statement. Structure of the Polish underground movement, military organization, political organizations, underground press. And also, sir, I have also message from the Jewish underground. In some cases, they would interrupt me. In some cases, I had no time to come to this problem. The man would mm-hmm. say, thank you very much. I have a right. conference. Goodbye. So it was with Roosevelt. My role was not to ask questions. Mm -hmm. My role was to answer questions, except this opening, so to say, statement. When Karski was there, of course... Maciej Kozłowski, Karski's neighbor in Washington, D.C., and Poland's former ambassador to Israel. It was to convince the United States, which was the major fighting power apart from Soviet Union, to take Polish interests into account when the peace, when they thought, would be discussed. I saw four members of the British War Cabinet. This was the center of power. Jan Karski. I reported in the United States to President Roosevelt, Cordell Hall, Henry Stimson, Francis Biddle, and other leaders. The point was that when I was making report on the Jews. The Jewish experience was unique in history. Such a thing never happened in history. There were pogroms, persecution, discrimination, but not scientific extinction of an entire nation, physical extinction. And as I look now at my activities of 50 years ago, It was difficult to believe for many people because it was so unprecedented in the human history. 
On the 28th of July, 1943, Karski holds the most important conversation of his life. He hopes that the meeting with Roosevelt will change the course of history for the Jewish nation, which is being wiped out by the Nazis. He also believes that what he will tell President Roosevelt will also guarantee Poland an independent role in the post-war map of Europe, safeguarding the country from Soviet domination. In 1943, well, the situation was very, very difficult because the Soviet Union was already at war with Hitler and was taking the major burden of, of fighting. And therefore, the Poles, who were the Allies first, were kind of a, I would say, burden or kind of a difficulty for Allies. We had our problems with the Soviet Union, which invaded Poland in, in 39, occupied part of Poland, and when in '43 um, the um, Katyn Forest massacre came to open, it was a possibility of the end of the coalition, which would be disastrous for the um, Allies. I reported in the United States to President Roosevelt. Jan Karski. First of all, I did not notice uh, his illness. It was absolutely unnoticeable. He projected greatness, majesty, his gestures, his uh, language. I saw in him Lord of Humanity. I was so impressed. He listened. He asked me many questions. He asked me also questions concerning the Jewish situation. I limited myself, making the difference, Mr. President. What is happening to the Jews is incomparable. They want the Germans make out of the Poles slaves. They want to liquidate our elite, intellectual, political. With the Jews, it is different story. They want to destroy all of them. He listened again, asked me questions. But essentially, he was interested in political matters. I remember every second of this conversation. Karski speaks in detail about his meeting with US President Roosevelt in an interview with French filmmaker Claude Lanzmann. Polish ambassador in Washington was informed about my existence in London. I didn't expect to go to the United States. Now, it was the Polish ambassador who in his reports to the prime minister suggested that it may be useful if before returning to Poland, Karski will come secretly to the United States. The ambassador is pretty sure he will get him in touch with the key members of the government and the proper people. He hopes the president himself will be interested in his report. Once we received this report, General Sikorsky tells me, Lieutenant, you go to Washington before you go to Poland. I arrived to Washington. 
Ambassador Cichanowski already totally acquainted with my material. At a certain point, he tells me, Johnny, the President of the United States wishes to see you. As a matter of fact, all the time, he was criticizing me on one point. Mainly, Johnny, you are inclined, you talk too much. You must acquire precision, you have precision to be concise. You realize people I am going to introduce you, they are the most powerful people. Concentrate rather on their questions. Try to answer the questions. I see Roosevelt. As a matter of fact, he struck me. He was more than the President of the United States. He did consider himself a world leader. Mr. Karski, I have been informed about your great work, contribution to the Allied cause. I am sure that you would like me to be informed about things in Poland. Now, realize this, I had it throughout my entire mission. For me, the Jewish problem was not the only problem. For me, the key problem was Poland. Kerzon line, Soviet demands, communists in the underground movement, fear of the Polish nation. What is going to happen to Poland? This was then. I speak to the president in those terms, expectations, fears among the leaders, all hope, Mr. President, has been placed by the Polish nations in the hands of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Then I come to the Jewish problem, Mr. President. Before having left Poland, I was charged with this mission by the most important Jewish leaders. They organized for me two visits in the ghetto. I saw extermination camp. The situation is horrible. The point is, Without the outside help, the Jews will perish in Poland. What did he answer specifically? Nothing. To? He enters the picture now. Nothing. This was the end of your report? Yes. I never had a chance. So now his answer. The Allied nations are going to win this war. No more wars. Justice will be done. Your country will be alive again, more prosperous than before. Criminals will be punished. The United States will not abandon your country.
And now he does ask me questions. Oh, yes. Underground movement. Do you know what question he asked me? Do I understand correctly, young men, that before the war, Poland was essentially an agricultural country? Yes, Mr. President. Well, now, what we understand in the Russian campaign, the Germans had to use tremendous amount of horses. Did they take those courses from Poland? Because with your agricultural economy, you need horses. No Jewish problem was mentioned until the end of the conversation, which lasted one hour, 20 minutes. Also, as far as the Jewish situation was concerned, and my experience, what I saw, I got a bitter lesson. I met Justice Frankfurter. He was not interested in the Polish underground movement, in anything else. He only asked me, please tell me what is happening to the Jews in your country. There are conflicting reports. So to him I told... 18, 20 minutes, and I described what I saw. And then after he got up, started to walk in front of me and the ambassador, and then took his seat and said, Mr. Karski, I remember every word. You don't forget this kind of incidents. Mr. Karski, a man like me talking to a man like you, must be totally frank. So I say, I am unable to believe what you told me. So Polish ambassador, they were friends, jumped in Felix, you don't mean it. You cannot tell him to his face that he is lying. And Frankfurter, Mr. Ambassador, I did not say that this young man is lying. I said that I am unable to believe what he told me. And he extended his hands in my direction and said, no, no. Karski's mission is summed up by Professor Anita Prajmowska from the London School of Economics. What we know is that really America didn't engage in talks about Poland. The Americans really were, you know, saw it as a, as a British sort of uh, endeavor. Uh, they were supportive, but they nevertheless saw the European theater of war more the one that British determined, whereas their focus was very much on the Pacific War, but not to say that they dissociated themselves. But the, the Polish situation was one of the complexities within Europe. Now, also the question of the Polish community in USA, it never had that political power that, you know, for example, we associate with the Italian community. And apparently this suggestion to go to, to New York comes as a result of an attempt to literally inform the world 
what Kazki brings out is a definitive memorandum of you know what is happening. So we have 43 already well advanced uh, final solution, and he witnessed that one. But of course, the deprivation of everything that is happening in Poland. So the idea was to convey to the Americans, thus acquiring more support, um, information which is, shall we say, hot. I don't think he saw himself as trying to stop the Holocaust. He saw himself as carrying information. Did it change the course of American policy? I don't think so, because America is already in advanced talks with the Russians, is aware of what is happening there. It did matter to the Poles that they conveyed that real information, because this is comes from a man who speaks with a degree of authority. So I think on an emotional level, it's very important. In terms of changing policies, I don't think so. I'm standing here on an open square in the heart of Warsaw's Muranov district, a place which is now almost empty, but used to constitute the heart of the Warsaw's Jewish district, which was then turned into the ghetto. It's snowing pretty heavily on this January afternoon, quite a far cry from the summer of 1943 when the Nazis liquidated the Jewish ghetto in what was part of their final solution, Operation Reinhardt. I'm sitting on a bench which is situated right at the heart of the former Warsaw Ghetto. To my left is a bronze memorial to Jan Karski. As usual, he's exceptionally well-dressed, an old-fashioned gentleman donning a suit and tie, loafers and well-pressed trousers. Looking at him now, I can see that he's in deep contemplation, as if he were looking for the right words to express his thoughts. His pose strikes a tone of reflection, much like during the filming of Cloud Landsman's Shoah, as if the sculptor wanted to bring that conversation to life through his work. If I turn around, I see the monument to the ghetto heroes which commemorates the thousands of Jewish insurgents who fought against the German occupation and who refused to let the Nazis decide on their life or death. The Pauline Museum of the History of Polish Jews rises up out of the empty square, a place where history meets the present. During World War II, some three million Polish Jews are murdered, the number of Polish fatalities also equaling that horrific number. The extent of the Holocaust is most strongly reflected in the number of Jewish survivors of the Nazi occupation. Estimates number some 50,000 overall, with the remaining Jewish population in some towns and villages down to single digits, such as in Izbica, for example. As for Karski, he will never return to settle in Warsaw. He visits Poland a number of times after the war, although he waits a quarter of a century after his last mission before he makes the journey back. He believed that he failed his mission in stopping the Holocaust, in bringing independence back to Poland and saving it from Stalin and the subsequent 40-odd years of communist rule. In 1999, the State of Israel celebrates 50 years of existence 
and nominates Jan Karski for the Nobel Peace Prize. It is a symbolic initiative, if only as a sign of recognition. Abraham Foxman, a Holocaust survivor, said that there were no such non-Jews who helped the Jewish cause so much as Karski did in the 20th century. In the event, humanitarian NGO Medsaf Sans Frontières win the Nobel Peace Prize and Karski dies months later in the summer of 2000. You hear the plane roaring down out of control and then crashing into silence. A state of war has existed. It would be still more foolish to lose heart and courage. Thousands of people like me perished. Some of us survived. I am one of those. In this episode, we used archive materials from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, the Polish National Digital Archive, the Claude Lanzmann Shoah Collection, and the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. This podcast is made by Free Range Productions for the Big Histories Foundation. This production of the first 10-episode series of Untold Stories from the Secret State is financed by the Polish Ministry of Foreign Affairs as part of the Public Diplomacy 2020, a new dimension competition. More information about the series can be found at www.secretstate.pl. <laughs>